was just thinking about Jonah last week. Prophet stirring it up a little bit. Gets you into trouble. Get myself into trouble sometimes. But what I'm trying to do is to serve his majesty. Might get it wrong from time to time. I want to ask you a question, um, because mostly I don't know the answer to this. And I don't want you to talk to anybody. That's not the deal this week. I want you to just reflect yourself. Um, A couple of ways you could ask this question. How helpful has this current series been, or what are you learning? So just for a moment, what, what have you learned? What is God teaching you about or through open doors? I'd encourage you to go away and keep reflecting on that. And if you want to tell me what God's doing for you, that would be lovely for me, because mostly I don't know. Uh, this has been a series about open doors, if you've been regularly here. I, this has been a series that I think has encouraged us to say yes to God's open doors. And I, for one, have walked through a few that I've recognized, because I've done it, I've been thinking about it, so I've recognized that's what I'm doing. Revelation 3.8. Behold, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. The open door is the symbol in Revelation of boundless opportunities, of unlimited chances to do something worthwhile, of grand openings into new and unknown adventures, of significant living, of unimagined chances to do good, to make our lives count for eternity. And isn't that what we all want? We all want our life to count for eternity. We all want our life to count for something worthwhile and in those dark moments when I think stuff it I'm giving it all up I'm going to sit at home with a pipe and slippers I know that ultimately that won't cut it I just won't want to do it because I want my life to count for something and I want it to be worthwhile and I want it to count for eternity and however hard it is and it is really hard sometimes isn't it We're going to do Ecclesiastes after the new year, right? So if you want to start doing a bit of reading, read Ecclesiastes. There's a line in that where the writer of Ecclesiastes, possibly the wisest man in the world at the time, writes, I hate life. And, And so do you, actually, and we'll come to that. You don't hate all of it, but there's lots of it you do hate. And I want my life to count for something. I want it to change something. An open door is a grand adventure of life because it means the possibility of being useful to God. I love that thought. Wish I'd written it, didn't. Pinched it out of a book. The open door is the great adventure of life because it means the possibility of being useful to God. And if that's what I'm doing every Sunday morning, then then in the end maybe that has to be good enough for me. We all long for the possibility of being useful to God, don't we? I don't know about you, I don't know what went through your mind, but I found this whole series about open doors really quite exciting. I found myself thinking about things in a slightly different way. Hope you have too. I've realized I am responsible for the choices I make in a way that I had never quite grasped before. The truth that there will be more than one open door in front of me, and I, I get to choose which door. The truth that God often, mostly, won't tell me which door that's for me to work out. 
But also the truth that it's that way because God is most interested. What God most desires is that I grow and that I choose. I become a good chooser, a great chooser, so that I can grow and become the most magnificent person in the image of Jesus that I can be. That's why it's that way. I find that quite exciting. And I've, I have had open doors where I've known I can go this way or this way, and this is the no, door I, is the open door that's going to make me a better person, but I don't want that door because that one's easy. And actually, I've done it a couple of, I'll tell you about a phone call. Not sure if this is open doors, but I think so. About a year ago, I did a phone survey. You know, there's people who phone you up. Turned out to be really, really long and boring, about an hour. And it was a business thing. And they said, can we phone you back? And, you know, anyway, they've been trying to phone me back for about three months. Fortunately, I've never been here. Apart from the occasion, I was literally walking out the door to take a funeral. And I was able to say, in all honesty, I'm really sorry, I can't talk, I've got to take a funeral. Anyway, they phoned back this week. And Claire phones and says, Ian, I don't know if you're in, but it's that lady again. Dilemma. I know I can say to Claire, tell them that I'm not in. If I'm doing that, I am asking somebody else to lie on my behalf. Not good. But I know that if I say I'm in, I might be in for an hour of stuff, mostly which I can't answer because it's all about businesses. And the church, as you know, is not a business. So I thought, oh, getting really cross that I'd ever said, yes, I'll do this survey. And yes, you can ring me back. So I said, okay, put her through, put her through. She did all that blurby bit that they do, but they don't give you a chance, do they? And you agreed that we could phone you back. <laughs> and then I said, okay, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a church, not a business. And when I did this last time, most of your questions I simply couldn't answer because this is not a business. Oh, she said, all right, then I'll put a note on here not to ring you back. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> Well, man, I was running out of here, wasn't I, Claire? I was running around, I was running around the reception because I chose the open door of honesty and it paid off. Small door, here for a moment, gone. But I am a better person because of it because next time that happens, I'm much more likely to do the same thing, aren't I? And friends, I say this, be patient with me. God hasn't finished with me yet. I am still growing and becoming more magnificent in the image of Jesus Christ. I am convinced that there is a best door. I am absolutely convinced that in every situation there is a best door. But as we've gone through this series, I've been mightily encouraged and relieved to learn that God can use a wrong door if I have a right-shaped heart. And that's good news for all of us, isn't it? That means I think that God is big enough, powerful enough, wise enough, gracious enough and patient enough to use me even when I mess it up. A bit like Jonah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank God for that. That's why we sometimes say that instead of amen. It's just a bit more real, isn't it? I am hugely challenged and encouraged in equal measure at the realisation that God can open a door in any circumstance. Simply... Uh, sometimes I just moan about things I think I can't change or I would dearly like to be different. Maybe you do. And then God plops this profound truth in my thinking, there is always a door. And if there's always a door, there's always a choice. I've been helped to know that God can open doors very quietly. 
It's not always obvious or easy, but it's part of me learning, growing, and trusting God more. I'm learning that every day, any day, can be the day of the open door. God, please make today a day of the open door. We can pray that every day, any day. And now more than ever, I want to be a person who says yes to the open door. I want to be the kind of person who recognizes that God is doing something. He's doing it in the world. That when a door is open, I will count the cost. I will weigh the pros and cons. I will get wise counsel. I will look as far down the road as I can. But that deep in my heart, in its most secret place, I will have a tiny bias in the direction of yes. I want to cultivate a willingness to charge through open doors, even if it's not this particular door. And I hope you want to be that too. We've based this series on this verse. Behold, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And contained here is the wonderful truth that God opened doors that simply cannot be shut. I love that thought. God opens it. And remember, it's actually translated as opened door. It's already open. It's open there. No one can shut that. Fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. But here's what we read in the verse immediately before verse 8, which would, of course, be verse 7. So if you have your Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true and holds the keys of David. While he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Here we see that the God of the open door is also the God of the closed door. And what he shuts, no one can open. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if you've been thinking about this as we've gone through this series. It might go like this. Well, I like the idea of finding and walking through open doors that God places in my way. I really, really do want to have a bias for yes in my heart. I really do want to be useful to God. I really do want my life to be an adventure that, with God, which means I will be a blessing to others. But, what about all the times when doors don't open? What about all the doors that seem to have shut on me? What about the doors or the things that I thought God had guided me to, only to have that door shut? You may express it more like this. What about all the unanswered prayers I've prayed? The ones where God never opened the door. The life partner I never found. The job I never got appointed to. The children I never had. The depression that never lifted. The injustice that has never been addressed. The ministry I was never given. And that list is probably endless. Closed doors are, in truth, often very, very difficult. And I, for one, don't like them. I don't like them mostly because I don't understand them. There are lots of closed doors in the Bible. You might want to go through and do a little survey and see if you can find them. There's loads of them. The door of the promised land was closed to Moses. He wasn't allowed to go in. The the, uh, door of the building the temple for David was closed to him. That's a great idea, David, but someone else is going to do that. The door of the Garden of Eden was closed. 
and they live, and so do we, east of Eden. Here's a challenging question. Is it possible that it can be a good thing that God has the power to close a door in such a way that it cannot be opened? And is it possible that even now you and I could back on our lives and find ourselves saying, thank God, that door closed? Perhaps there was a relationship you desperately wanted, but now looking back, you can see it would never have been good for either of you. And here's a sobering thought that I read in a book. Someone might look at me and go, thank God you closed that door. (laughs) Perhaps it was a job you really wanted, and now looking back you realise it would never have worked. I once applied for a job as a Christian schools worker in Cumbria. Fantastic opportunity. I was in my early 20s. Um, I just wanted to serve God. That's all I ever wanted to do. When I was about nine, I was going to go to Turkey. Thank God that door closed. But I applied for this job as a Christian schools worker because I knew someone who was always doing a job. Cumbria was great. They had a whole series of them. They were trying to cover the whole of Cumbria. And I knew one of the other schools workers. And if I got this job, I'd have got to work with my great friend Jim Bruce. He's one of the best communicators of the Christian gospel I've ever listened to. And I met him in Nevin, and he used to talk a lot about Thomas the Tank Engine. In fact, he's responsible for getting me into the Mr. Men. Not because he told me to get into the Mr. Men, but I remember thinking, if, if, if Jim Bruce can get spiritual stuff out of Thomas the Tank Engine, what can I get spiritual stuff out of? Turned out to be the Mr. Men, and they're fantastic. You should go read them. We were a fantastic team. We just clicked. We could be up the front, and we could just dump the other one with stuff, and the other one would know how to pick it up. It's just a great working relationship. It was absolutely fantastic. Jim even told the interviewing panel, remember he already had a job there, he told the interviewing panel that I was the man for the job. I never got the job. And if I got that job, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And actually, looking back on it, I think, thank God you closed that door, because I actually came to the conclusion quite soon afterwards, actually, which was quite a blessing, that I wouldn't actually have done that job very well, because I don't really think I'm cut out to work with teenagers. Little kids and adults, that's fine. You can have the ones in the middle. Give them back to me when they're older. (laughs) Perhaps in truth, prayers that have been never answered, sometimes we can look back and say we're honestly glad that they weren't. Certainly looking back, I thank God for some closed doors, but I don't thank God for all closed doors. Jesus said, knock and the door will be opened, but he never said which door. (laughs) Begs the question, how do I know which door to knock on and which ones to pass by? Here's where it gets really challenging, but I think maybe to the heart of the issue, because the simple two-word answer is, I don't. And actually the truth is, we will never know for sure. Do you remember that thing you used to do as a teenager when you'd say, oh, well, I'm just going to keep doing it until God closes the door, and then I'll know it's... That's a bit dodgy, that. (laughs) Doesn't always work. Be careful of doing that. But sometimes we do, you know, that's the way God guides, isn't it? That's the whole point. 
Perhaps of a wonderful truth is this, right? I love this thought. That God has something better for us than knowing for sure. Perhaps knowing for sure and growing into the most magnificent person in his image simply don't go together. What's the opposite of faith? Most people say doubt. I would like to argue that possibly the opposite of faith is certainty. Because if you absolutely know for sure, you don't need any faith. There's no room for it. At least when you doubt, you've got room for faith. And if you read Philip Yancey, he will say that one of the reasons he believes is precisely because he doubts. I think that's in Reaching for the Invisible God, if you want to go and check that out. It's not in your notes, I've just added that in for free. (laughs) But what might be very helpful is to understand this morning some reasons why doors remain closed. Sometimes the doors remain closed because, quite simply, we want the wrong thing. Do you remember those two disciples, James and John, sons of Zebedee? Fine, time for bed. Their mother asked Jesus one day if her boys could have prime place in the kingdom of heaven. Can one sit on your right and one sit on your left? Jesus points out that his kingdom doesn't work like that, so that's a no. Moses, Jeremiah, Elijah and Jonah, as we discovered last week, all ask God to take their life. Each time God says no. God says no when we are knocking on the wrong door. God says no sometimes because there's something better. Truth is, friends, we don't see what only God can see. God said no to Ian being a Christian schools worker. Looking back on it now, strange, scarily, the best part of 30 years on, because actually he had something better in mind. Okay, you're going to throw it out there. I might have made a reasonable Christian schools worker. I probably had enough about me to get through. But I'll probably make a much better preacher than I ever would have done a schools worker. Hooray, yes. <laughs> and all God's people said, thank God for that. <laughs> then you're sitting there thinking, my goodness me, you've been an awful schools worker. <laughs> thank God for that. <laughs> ah. God in his infinite wisdom reserves the right to say no. If you ever wondered what it would be like if, if prayer was able to tap into some supernatural power that would make everything happen as we would like Think what the world would be like if all your prayers had been answered the way you wanted. (laughs) But you see, prayer is something very different. It's a conversation with an infinitely wise, loving and gracious person. Common prayer is for God to change somebody else. Maybe you've prayed that prayer. Maybe in your prayer life now you're praying it. But... But could it be that better than someone else changing because that's what you want is you recognizing your need to change so that you can become a more magnificent person in the image of Jesus Christ. Now there's a thought.
Sometimes, in truth, friends, doors close because I need to grow. I think I'm going through one of those phases in ministry right now because I'm praying some prayers that are not being answered and I'm beginning to think, okay, I think I might need to do some growing here. Growing that would never happen otherwise if those doors were open. Paul prayed earnestly three times that God would remove the thorn in his flesh and each time God said no. Now the implication of the text in 2 Corinthians is that Paul pleaded desperately for God to take away this thorn. We don't know what that thorn was. People have written tones on what they think that thorn was. But every time, God says no. And what Paul was able to learn was that however painful the thorn, which was somehow connected to his weakness, because that says in your weakness you will be strong, it would enable Paul to grow in his capacity to be a channel for God's strength. So God says no, because that's good for you. As one door closed... Actually, for Paul, another door opens. Here's a thought. God knows all about closed doors. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What's the next line? If anyone opens... Oh... How's your heart? Or is God standing in front of a closed door right now? Many, many, many doors remained closed to God. Maybe there's some here. God stands with us in the pain of open doors. And we all have some painful doors that remained or maybe remain closed to us. We will never fully understand closed doors, but at the heart of the gospel is an unanswered prayer. In the garden, Jesus prayed this, Father, if it is possible, may this cup of suffering be taken from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And this most desperate of prayers, where Jesus swept drops of sweat that was like blood, men in the First World War trenches swept blood. This most desperate prayer is met with silence. The cup is not removed. The door remains closed. But wonderfully, extraordinarily, in these moments came hope that remade history. The only answer, the ultimate answer to all our answered prayers is found in the cross of Christ. What if Jesus' prayer had been answered? What if he was not crucified? What if there had been no cross, no death, no tomb, no resurrection, no forgiveness of sin, no outpouring of the Holy Spirit, no birth of this thing we call church? Max Licardo writes this. The cross prepares us for eternity. If there is no cross of Christ, then there is no truth to Christ. To remove the cross is to remove the linchpin from the door of hope. If there is no cross, then there is no sacrifice for sin. If there is no sacrifice for sin, how will you face a holy God? Will you cleanse your own sin? 
If there is no cross, then there is no resurrection. If there is no resurrection, then how will he live again? God's no to his one and only dearly beloved son turned into God's yes for every human being that ever lived, and that includes you and me. Jesus said just before he died that he was one day coming back. One bright hour, he will come for me. One bright hour, he will set this captive free. One bright hour, he will wipe away the tears from eyes that now can see. One bright hour. He'll chase away the fleeting dark from broken earth and broken heart. The holy line where joy and sorrow meet. And I will sing redemption songs, making you what we made wrong. On the day, the story is complete. One bright hour, and I will sing, hallelujah. On this side of closed doors, we are filled with questions. Why? Why must I suffer? Why won't it open? Why are they not healed? But one bright hour, no more questions. No more unanswered prayer. No more closed doors. One bright hour. And all God's people said, Amen.